Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Football CU Podcast. This is Andrew here with you today. Today, we're going to react to that Chiefs and Lions game a couple days ago. What we saw, what we need to know going forward, and we're also going to discuss what we're looking forward to in week one. A little preview of the storylines we're looking at. It's going to be a lot of fun today. But first, as always, let's begin with the Word of God. We're going to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 20, verse 9. But if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. That verse, in a manner of speaking, is fire, honestly. No pun intended. Um, I can't, I cannot hold in speaking his word. It's like a fire shut up my bones. I am weary of holding it in. I love that verse. Okay, let's start off with discussing that Chiefs and Lions game. So it was, it was interesting to see a few things. Um, we'll start with the Lions, the usage they had between Gibbs and Montgomery, kind of what I expected going in, easing Jameer Gibbs into the starting role, not necessarily even the starting role, but easing him into playing time. And they used Montgomery really early and often. But that's kind of what was to be expected if you looked at last year with the Lions, with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. DeAndre Swift really didn't get a whole lot of touches, and a lot of people thought that had to do with his injury history, which I'm sure that was a factor, but also that's just the way that Dan Campbell likes to utilize his running backs. But he even said that um, he wanted to ease Jameer Gibbs in, get him a little taste of real NFL playing time before he truly unleashes him and has him just play more and more and more. So that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting Gibbs to get a lot more looks. If you watch that game, he had explosiveness. He had burst. He looked really good. Montgomery looked fine as well. He did what he needed to do, not really losing yards, getting two, getting three, scoring that touchdown. Exactly what we expected, you know, getting 14 to 17 touches, but not really anything in the passing game which is why he's more of a flex play week after week, maybe an RB2 at most. But Jameer Gibbs, he has that chance to really go off and be a top 10 running back the more and more use he gets. So I love what I saw there. Some numbers, the snap shares between the two. Jameer Gibbs only had about 19 snaps, which was about 27% of their offense, while Montgomery, he had about 55 snaps, which was 77% of the running back snaps and the running back attempts. So um, he got most of the work, but that's what we expected. And with the receivers that they were utilizing, they didn't really pass the ball all that much. It was kind of an odd game, kind of more grinded out physical. Um, Amon Ra got his, of course, but um, really wasn't much else. Sam Laporta looked okay. He looked like he has potential. Maybe somebody to keep your eye on. Josh Reynolds had a few solid key catches, but nothing really jumped out at you. Jared Goff looked fine as a streamer or a um, 
bi-week villain, not necessarily a starter week in and week out. But with the Chiefs, it looked it looked kind of difficult to watch. Without Kelsey out there, they didn't really have any receivers to throw to. Patrick Mahomes did all he could. He was throwing some dimes. He was throwing some darts. And his receivers just couldn't catch the ball. I mean, if you look at Sky Moore, he had three targets, couldn't catch a single one of them, and all three of them were right there. And then you look at Rasheed Rice, he did okay. He had a few catches, he scored their touchdown um, in the end zone there. That was a solid play. He had a couple more plays where he you know, caught, the, caught a ball and ran really well. He looked pretty good. He might have a little potential there, but um, the worst is oh, Kadarius Toney. He might as well have been playing for the Lions. He handed that game to them. He's much better than that. He's not going to do that again. This was one of those games where everything that could go wrong did go wrong, especially for Tony. Um, the ball, those balls that went through his hands, that was pick six, and that one deep in the fourth quarter, wherever he catches it, they kick a field goal and go home win the game. But drop and drop and drop. It was just hard to watch. And he is much better than that, so we don't expect that going forward. But we're not going to put any of these receivers in our lineups until we see something real from them. Rasheed Rice had the best overall game, but it still wasn't great. If he didn't score that touchdown, then he would have had like four or five points. But um, they really need Travis Kelsey back, like desperately. And overall, um, the Lions got the win. Congratulations to them. I think they might be a little bit overhyped, but they got a hard-fought win. They they deserved it, even though they had a lot of breaks go their way, especially that pick six and the other drop by Tony. They still came out with a W. Every W counts. Okay, now let's get into a preview of week one. Um, we're going to go game by game, discuss each team, and get some get some insight on some of this. Um, let's go with the storylines between the Buccaneers and the Vikings. So here with the Buccaneers, I am looking at how does Rashad White look? The Vikings defense is going to be a lot different this year. Don't think their running game, their running rushing defense is going to be all that good. They're going to be great at rushing the passer. They're going to get a lot of sacks this year. I think their their secondary is better than people think, but uh, their rush defense, it's going to be average to below average. So I think Rashad White might get a little work here. Um, only problem is their offensive line for the Buccaneers, it's not all that great either. So it's kind of average on average between the Buccaneers offensive line against the Vikings defensive line. But I think Rashad White should get enough look here. He should be a solid start. Um, and the receivers, they it, it kind of depends on Baker Mayfield. If he has time to throw, which the Vikings are going to blitz and blitz and blitz him like crazy. But if Baker Mayfield has time to throw, Mike Evans and Godwin, they're going to get they're going to get some looks. They're going to get some targets. They're going to get some catches. The Vikings secondary is young, so they're going to make some great plays. But then they're also going to get beat. So um, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, I would say, are probably solid flex two wide receiver two options in your lineups if you want to utilize those guys. And with the Vikings, of course, you're starting Justin Jefferson, best receiver in the game. 
but um, I'm also looking at TJ Hawkinson mainly because he just got paid. He's going to be over the middle. They're going to target him early and often. The Vikings are wanting to use 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, two receivers, and one running back. So a lot of times it's going to be Hawkinson, Jefferson, and I think KG Osborne right now is a wide receiver too. So TJ Hawkinson is going to get a lot of, lot of looks, a lot of targets. I mean, with Addison, I don't think he's going to be um, a full starter, a full go just yet. He's going to be eased in. They're going to have some packages for him. There's a good chance he gets in the end zone off of a design play specifically for him. But I wouldn't expect a lot of snaps for him just yet. He's going to be in the game when they go three wide receiver for this game mainly because he is technically, as of right now, their third option at wide receiver. So when they go 12 personnel, he won't be in the game much, but over time, he will be their wide receiver too, in my opinion. Now let's go over the Panthers and Falcons. So for the Panthers, it's hard to say. Um, with Miles Sanders, we'll begin with their running back room. He's fine. He's going to get basically a majority, 75% of their running back rushes, I would anticipate. So he has a solid floor, but he's not going to have any breakaway games. No three, four touchdowns, maybe not even two touchdowns. He's not really going to get targeted in the passing game very much. So he's more of a floor but not ceiling guy. Maybe like a flex if you drafted him late. Um, and the Panthers receivers are kind of getting dinged up. DJ Chark, I think, is officially ruled out. Adam Thielen is dealing with a little bit of an ankle problem. He might not be 100% even if he goes. Um, and then with their tight end room, they have Hayden Hurst. He's fine. You know, he's, he's fine, but it's nothing that you're excited about. So um, with their passing game, they have Mingo. If you wanted to throw a dart on him, he's young. He's their rookie. He's got a lot of explosiveness, explosiveness, a lot of electricity, um, a lot of potential. But it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say. And um, I'm not. I don't think Young's gonna have a great game this game. He will. He will eventually. But this is his first game. I think it's gonna be a little difficult because the Falcons' defense is better than people expect they fight they hit they're fast they're going to be aggressive so i don't think the panthers are going to have a great day on the offensive side this game week one they'll get in their groove eventually and for the falcons you want you want all those guys you want Bijan. if you draft him you're sticking him in right away he's going to get so many touches I would I wouldn't be surprised if he had over 20 touches if their coach uses him right, and I think Kyle Pitts, I think he's going to be a thing this year. I think you can put him in your lineup, especially if you draft him in round seven or eight. I think there's going to be value there, and Drake London is very talented, and they don't really have anybody else other than those three. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan are going to get a majority of the looks. They're going to get the football more often than not. So if you have one of those three, I think you should be confident and plugging them in. Maybe Drake London more of a flex play, but I think you should feel okay with starting all three of those guys. Now let's go to the Bengals and the Browns. 
Um, so with the Bengals, how does Joe Burrow look? You know, he's had that calf injury. Is he going to be moving around well, or is he going to be kind of stationary, not be able to get all those lanes and windows that he's good at with avoiding pressure? And the Browns' defensive line is very good. Might be the best defensive line in football, at least top five, with Sidarius Smith, um, with Miles Garrett. Their defensive tackles are very good as well, Alvin Tomlinson. They they got a lot of big, strong guys up there. So Joe Burrow might be under pressure a lot this game. Their offensive line is improved, but no one's going to say it's a great offensive line. It might be fine. So we're going to see how much time he has and how comfortable he is in that pocket. If he has time, he's going to tear the Brown secondary apart. It's Joe Burrow. It's Jamar Chase. You're starting Jamar Chase. It's D. Higgins. You're starting Higgins. Tyler Boyd is solid. Irv Smith Jr. might be someone to keep your eyes on. We have to see it first. But he has a lot of talent at tight end. Um, and I love Joe Mixon. He's been overlooked this year, I think. He is basically their only guy at running back since Samaj P. Ryan left and went to the Broncos. Um, so I would I would start all those guys. I feel confident in Burrow. We're going to see how his calf is. But it's Joe Burrow. You have to start him. You have to start Chase. You have to start Higgins, and I would say you have to start mixing and keep an eye on Irv Smith. If you didn't draft him, if he's not, if he's in, if he's in waivers for free, keep an eye on him. He might be someone you can add next week. And then with the Browns, this is going to be interesting. I am kind of a non-believer in Deshaun Watson because of what we saw last year. He he still has a lot of potential. He's very talented. But I have to see it first. I, I don't know. I, I have no shares of Deshaun Watson on any of my teams. If you do, and he's your starting quarterback because you had to draft him QB 7 or 8, um, I wish you the best. He might be awesome, or it might be similar to what we saw last year. I don't know. When it's unknown like that, I usually avoid. But if you draft him, you have to start him because of where you draft him, unless you also draft like a Daniel Jones. Maybe you go with a Daniel Jones over him this week. Depends on what your lineup looks like. Um, but as far as pass catchers go, you got to start Cooper. He's awesome, especially at home. That's the key thing. This is a home game for the Browns. So Amari Cooper is probably going to play really well. It's a crazy dynamic of his. Away games, he doesn't do very well. But at home games, he crushes. Um, and I would definitely start Njoku. He's a top 10 tight end. Other than that, I'm probably not really starting any other pass catchers until you see it from like an Elijah Moore or um, that rookie they drafted. We'll, we'll have to see how it looks. But right now, Amari Cooper, David Njoku, and of course, Nick Chubb. That's not even a question. And then if you have to, Deshaun Watson. Um, now let's go to, oh, this is going to be a fun one. The Jaguars and the Colts. So we'll start with the Colts because that one's pretty simple. Um, you might not be starting anyone depending on how your league looks. That running back room, I want to avoid. It's going to be a three-headed monster basically with all three of those guys. Um, Hall, it looks like that Zach Moss is going to be back. And then they also have Deion Jackson. He looked pretty good last year. So I'd I want to avoid the running back room and the receivers. Michael Pittman may be a flex, depending on how your lineup looks like, how deep your league is. 
but if it's like a 10-team league, you're probably not starting Pittman. And then Anthony Richardson, if, depends on how lucky you feel. I kind of want to see it first before I start him, unless I have to. I'm in a 14-team league where all the quarterbacks were taken early, and so I got Anthony Richardson, which I'm okay, I'm okay with that in a 14-teamer if you have to start him. But really, if it's not a deep league like that, I probably wouldn't yet until you see it. And the, the Jaguars defense isn't like the best in the world, but it's not bad either. It's kind of middle of the pack. So he's, he's not going to have all day to throw. He's not going to have wide open receivers, but they're not going to be smothered either. So it, it's an okay matchup. And then for the Jaguars, this is kind of a great matchup for them. I almost want to start as many as I can. So um, we're at the running back room. Travis Etienne's the guy for now. I feel like Tank Bixby could be a thing, but not yet. Definitely not yet. It's going to be the Etienne show all day long. So start him if you drafted him. Of course, you've got to start Ridley. He's kind of a maybe a boomer bust because we haven't seen him in a couple years, but he is so talented. And what we saw in training camp, he looks great. Christian Kirk, I would say he's a solid flex. Um, I wouldn't start Zay Jones yet because that's a lot of mouths to feed. But Evan Ingram, if you draft him, you kind of have to start him. He's a fine low-end tight end one. If he, if he gets in the end zone, it's just a lot of mouths to feed there in Jacksonville. But they have a great offense, a great offensive coach. And Trevor Lawrence, I think, is going to take another step this year. I have Trevor Lawrence in a couple leagues, and I'm very happy with that. Now we are going to go to the Titans and the Saints. Let's start with the Titans here. So the Titans, there's not really a whole lot of people I really want to start. Of course, you're starting Derrick Henry. DeAndre Hopkins, probably you're starting as a wide receiver too, maybe a flex depending on how you drafted. But other than that, it's kind of it for now until you see it. We don't really know about Traylon Burks just yet. He's been injured, dinged up a little bit in the offseason. He should be healthy, but we don't know. And also we don't know how their pass game is going to be utilized with Hopkins there. And um, Chigakonkwo looks really good, has a lot of potential, but not a lot of targets to go out there on our run-first offense. So I wouldn't start him just yet. And then for the Saints, this can get kind of interesting, especially with their backfield. So it might only be Jamal Williams, but even if it is only Jamal Williams, the Titans have one of the best run defenses in the game. I don't know if I would feel confident starting him. If he's in your flex, that might be okay. But I would still kind of feel hesitant maybe want to put a wide receiver there. I normally want a wide receiver, especially in PPR formats, in my flex. And their rookie, Kendra Miller, he looks a little dinged up. He might go, but he probably won't get a lot of run. It's going to be Jamal Williams mainly. And he's not really using the passing game, at least not in the past. And then for the receivers, Chris Olave all day long. The Titans secondary, last year at least, was one of the worst as far as pass defense. So Olave could get a lot of love from Derek Carr. Um, and Michael Thomas actually looks healthy. If you want to start Michael Thomas, I'm okay with that. He could be a flex, maybe a wide receiver too at most until we see it. But if he is finally healthy, then the Saints pass offense could be legit with Olave and Thomas. And then they have they have some tight ends you might want to take a dart throw on if you 
punted at that position, like Juwan Johnson, maybe even a Taysom Hill. He could be their second running back, actually. But I wouldn't be too confident in those guys. And with Derek Carr, you might be able to start him, depending on how deep your league is. Um, if it's like a 14, 16 team league, maybe. But if it's a 10 or 12, you probably aren't. I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback yet, but he might in the future, depending on how that pass game goes. Now, let's go to the 49ers at the Steelers. So with the 49ers, you're pretty much starting all of their um, wide receivers and all of their playmakers, other than maybe Kittle. He's a little dinged up. I don't know if he's been rolled out, but I probably would avoid, if he's not, even if he's not rolled out, because he's... He's a little hurt, and he has been practicing. I, I probably want to go different uh, different area there. I want to go elsewhere at tight end. But with Depot Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, I feel confident. Both wide receiver two or flex plays. Um, I wouldn't look at starting their quarterback. Property is fine, but you have to see it more often before you can feel confident. He's more of a game manager kind of a guy, which is really all the 49ers need. And, of course, you're starting McCaffrey. I mean, you, that's that's a no-brainer. And for the Steelers, this one could be interesting. For their wide receivers, Deontay Johnson's going to have a better year. He's a solid wide receiver, too. He'll score touchdowns this year. Um, and with Pickens, he could be something. He showed a lot of promise last year. Preseason, he looked awesome in training camp. He's made so many crazy grabs. You can put him in your flex. And I think you should feel confident in that because Kenny Pickett is going to have a better year. He's going to improve. He's going to show a lot of signs of getting a lot better, a lot more accurate, a lot more comfortable in that system. And they have one of the best coaches in the league. Kenny Pickett could be a quarterback to keep your eye on later. I wouldn't start him yet unless you're in a 20-team league or something crazy. But um, he is one of my quarterbacks I'm looking at. Could be a breakout candidate. He's got a lot of weapons on his team. Great coach. Um, and their defense is fine. Defense is above average, but not great. So they're going to have to put us a point to keep up with some of these teams. And I also feel confident in Pat Fryer move. So I would say he's probably like a top eight tight end. So if you draft him, start him. Feel good about that. He is their red zone guy. He gets a lot of little um, first down over the middle targets from Kenny Pickett. He's not a high ceiling guy, but he's a solid floor guy. So feel fine in starting Pat Firemouth. And um, yeah, Kenny Pickett, I'm looking at him in the future. He he could be if your quarterback's struggling or you need a bye week fill-in, Kenny Pickett could be your guy later. And now we're going to go to the Cardinals and Commanders. So this is the one where I am streaming the Commanders' defense. They have a great pass rush. I know that um, Chase Young is going to be out for week one. That was just announced. But still, they have a great defensive line, especially in the defensive tackles up front. They're going to get a lot of push. We don't really know anything about the Cardinals' quarterback, if it's going to be Dobbs, if it's going to be the Rook. We don't know who it's going to be. Um, I assume it's going to be Dobbs, but he's he's fine. He's not great, but he's he's fine. Um, and our pass catchers are okay. They have Marquise Brown. They have Rondell Moore. Zach Ertz might play. He might not. But it's at Washington. The Cardinals are a mess right now. 
all signs are pointing to that they want that number one overall pick, that they're kind of tanking. They have two first-round picks this year, so this year's draft coming up could be what turns their franchise around, but it's not going to be this year. So I'm streaming the commander's defense as much as I can. I feel like they're going to get some sacks. They're going to get some turnovers. They're going to keep the Cardinals probably under 14 points. Um, and the only offensive players on the Cardinals I would start. Marquise Brown, possibly a flex, wide receiver two at highest. And James Conner, he's going to get a lot of volume. So a lot of rushes. A lot of targets in the pass game. He's a really good pass catcher. So he is a solid floor guy. He's just going to get volume, volume, volume for days. So I feel confident starting him. Maybe a RB2 flex as well, depending on how you drafted. But those are really the only two I'm comfortable starting with the Cardinals. And for the Commanders, this team is interesting. I'm looking at them as possibly a breakout team this year. They have potential. Because I like Sam Howell. I like what I see from him. They got so many weapons on offense with McLaurin, with Dotson. Brian Robinson Jr. is really good. And Antonio Gibson as well. And then they have um, a couple good tight ends there. As well. If they stay healthy, they've been banged up a lot. But I'm definitely starting Brian Robinson at flex or RB2. I think he's a little undervalued. I've drafted him a lot this year. And Terry McLaurin, he looks like he's healthy from that turf toe. Looks like he's going to go. I feel comfortable starting him and Jahan Dotson. I think he and Sam Howell have been really meshing in the offseason. They look like they have a lot of chemistry. I feel good starting him as well. Maybe more of a flex. And um, depending on the size of your league, maybe even an Antonio Gibson. Because he's um, going to be kind of that Jarek McKinnon role because of... Um, Eric Bieniemy's offense that he's coming back taken from the Chiefs. So um, the commander's offense is going to look really good. And Sam Howell is similar to Kenny Pickett. I'm looking at possibly picking him up later down the year on a bye week fill-in. Or if a quarterback you get gets hurt or isn't looking very good, Sam Howell could be something to look for in the future. Okay. Now the Texans and the Ravens. So for this one, this one could get ugly fast, honestly. The Texans, they fight hard. They play really hard, really physical on the defensive end, um, but they just don't have a lot of players yet. So I, I don't know how that's going to look. The Texans' defense was horrible against the run last year, and they didn't give up any passing touchdowns really. I think they gave up a total of six passing touchdowns all year, but that's because teams get up and they just run the clock out on them. Look at Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry always rushes for like 200 plus yards against them. And with the Ravens, they they are a really good run team already. And with Lamar Jackson going to run all over them, I, I'm not comfortable with that Texans defense right now. Um, and offensively, they're going to be behind probably pretty early so um damien pierce i still would start him but i wouldn't expect a whole lot out of this game he's gonna get a lot of volume if they're in the red zone he's gonna be their red zone guy but he's okay in the pass game as well but that's uh, it's not gonna be pretty he's he's an rb2 flex candidate if you draft him you kind of have to start him but don't expect a whole lot and for the pass catchers 
I wouldn't really start any pass catchers this game until you see it first. Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz, Robert Woods. They're, I mean, they could be on your roster, but I wouldn't start them right now. And for the Ravens, of course, you're starting Lamar Jackson. He might be the best quarterback in the league by the end of the year. He could be QB1. He's got that kind of potential, especially with the new offense they're using. And I would be okay starting J.K. Dobbins. I didn't draft him at all this year in any of my leagues, I don't believe. But for this game, you can feel confident starting him against the Texans um, as maybe an RB2 or a flex. Say Flowers, you can probably plug in because Odell might be a little dinged up. He might not be 100% with that ankle. So he might still go, but he won't be the Odell as, as he used to be. So Zay Flowers could get a lot of targets. And, of course, you gotta, you got to start Mark Andrews. Um, he's been hurt as well, but I think he's going to go, and you can't not start him. Uh, and I think, I think that's about it for the Ravens. I'm not looking at Bateman yet. I'm not looking at anybody else. Okay, we're flying through these. Next, we're going to go over the Packers and the Bears. This one, there might not be a lot of fantasy options, honestly, because of injuries and just, I don't know. I don't know. So for the Packers, you'll start Aaron Jones. He's going to be great. The Bears defense isn't that good, and Aaron Jones is the Packers guy. A.J. Dillon maybe, maybe a flex, depending on the size of your league and how you drafted. Um, but the receivers, I don't know if i start any of the receivers because Watson's out. He's the only one I would start. But he's missing the game, so you might think, okay, let's plug in the other guys. I don't I don't know. I, I don't know if Dobbs is going to be a startable guy. Depends on your roster. You might be able to put him in your flex, but... I don't know. And then with Reed, the rookie, uh, we have to see it first. And that's really all they have at wide receiver. Now, one guy I am looking at possibly is that rookie tight end they have. He has some potential. I, I'm thinking I, I might pick him up. I'm probably not going to start him just yet. But I'm looking at him. I might think about pick him off of waivers before the game starts because he he is just fast and a great route runner and he's big it's he's he's kind of a unicorn almost um luke musgrave is he, he could be a thing toward the end of the year once they really unleash him usually rookie tight ends take a while to really launch and um start maximizing their potential so I don't know if I'd start him yet, unless you had Kelsey and you wanted a dart throw. He He's kind of a boom-bust guy. He could go off, or he could just get a couple catches and get eased in. But keep your eye on Luke Musgrave. He could be something. And that's really it for the Packers. I don't want to grab Jordan Love yet until you see it. And then for the Bears, of course, you're starting Justin Fields because of his rushing ability. But... Mm, Cole Komet, yeah, you can start Cole Komet if you waited on tight end, and he'll be fine. DJ Moore, I'm not super high on. I want to see it first, and he's going to have Alexander on him, one of the best corners. So he's going to be the Bears wide receiver one. He'll get targets, he'll get some volume, he'll get looks, but I don't expect a 
big game from them just yet until they get their groove, until they get some chemistry going. And their running back room for the Bears, I don't know. I don't know which one I would go for. Khalil Herbert is probably their most talented currently, but Deontay Foreman's not going to go away. He's going to be a thing. He's going to get some run. And Roshan Johnson, they used a good value draft pick. I believe it was a second or third rounder on him. I think it was third rounder, actually. And he's really talented. And he could eventually take over as their RB1. It's it just, there's three guys there, and all three of them have potential. So I wouldn't really start any of them just yet, unless you have to. Um, and if you have to, I would probably go Herbert until we see it otherwise. And then next, we have the Raiders and the Broncos. So with the Raiders, you're starting Devontae Adams. You're starting Josh Jacobs. And that's probably about it, honestly. Um, I want to see how their rookie tight end looks first. Because um, he has a high draft pedigree. He could be something really good, but I don't know. Michael Mayer, he, he might be the best tight end of the draft. Or he might just be a guy. It, it's rookie tight ends. You don't truly know how they're going to utilize him. And in that offense with Jimmy G, he's fine, but he's not great. And it, we, don't, we just don't know yet. So all I would really start is Jacobs and Devontae Adams, and that's about it for the Raiders. And then for the Broncos, this one can get kind of interesting. With their running back room, I believe week one, Samaj Pirine is going to get most of the run. Javante Williams will get some touches, but he's going to be eased in. Maybe by mid-year, he'll be the guy. But to begin the year, it's going to be Pirine. You can put Pirine in your flex and probably feel pretty comfortable, maybe even at your RB2 spot. And then with the receivers, I don't know if Judy's going to go. I wouldn't start him, start Judy if I was the Broncos, but he's been practicing. He's been trying to get things ramped up. He might give it a shot. Um, but if, if, even if he does, I, I don't. you kind of have to start him when you drafted him, but I wouldn't be comfortable. Cortland Sutton would be a good play this week. The Raiders' secondary isn't that good. And if Judy's out or if he's limited, Cortland Sutton's the main guy there. But my favorite is Marvin Mims. They traded up to pick him in the second round. And this is Sean Payton's first draft pick for the Broncos. He picked him for a reason. He wants to use him. Marvin Mims is a speedster. He's a downfield guy. Great at getting deep behind the defense. So he might have a couple couple bombs, a couple catches for 70 yards and a touchdown. And I wouldn't be surprised. And eventually he could be their wide receiver three, wide receiver two, depending on injuries, in their three-hour receiver set. And he could get a lot of run. I've drafted him a lot in most of my leagues because of his potential in the future. I don't think he's going to do a lot this week. Um, so, well, he still might. He, he might be startable dependent on your roster. But he'd be more of a flex at, at best. Um, for now, until we truly see it. That's really all for the Broncos. They're tied in room. I, uh, I mean, they've been playing Trotman a lot over Dolchitz, and that kind of scares me. I would not, I would not want to start start any tight end for the Broncos until we see how they're going to use them. 
And then next we have the Eagles and the Patriots. So with the Eagles, you're starting the pass catchers. You're starting Smith. You're starting Brown. You're starting Goddard with much confidence. You're starting Hurts, of course, with much confidence. And the running back room, good luck. <laughs> if you want to start one of them, okay, go for it. You might be right or you might be way wrong. Or they could use all three to four backs every single week. It's hard to truly tell. Rostering those running backs is a good idea because of injuries that happen, especially with Penny and Swift. They're injury prone. If one of them go down, the other one's value skyrockets. But I wouldn't start any of them yet, especially against a good Patriots defense. And then for the Patriots, you're, you're going to start Stevenson. He got a little dinged up, but he should be fine. He should be good to go. Um, and that's really all you're starting for them right now. Juju's hurt as well, but if he's healthy, he's fine. I still don't think I'd start him until we see it. But their tight end room could be something interesting. I don't want to start any of those guys yet. But keep an eye on Hunter Henry especially, because I think the Patriots are going to go too tight end like they used to in the past. And I think Hunter, Hunter Henry is going to be the guy when they do that. Next, we have the Dolphins and Chargers. And also for the Patriots, you're not starting Mac Jones. I think that's a pretty well-known commodity right there. Don't start Mac Jones. For the Dolphins, you're starting Tyreek Hill, of course. You're starting Jalen Waddell, of course. And the most interesting spot, I think, is actually Mostert. So with Jeff Wilson Jr. being on IR, and with Devin Aching a little dinged up, I think he's going to play, but they're going to ease him in as well, I, I believe. It's going to be the Raheem, the Raheem Mostert show against the Chargers, who have historically been a below-average run defense. Their pass defense is solid, but their run defense has been suspect, and I think that's going to continue. I think Mostert could get a lot of run here, get a good amount of yards, maybe even score a touchdown. He gets a few targets every game as well. He's a solid RB2, honestly. Um and especially where you drafted him, that's high value. He's probably, he probably got drafted late in the 10th, 11th round. So you have an RB2. If you want zero RB strategy this year, he's a great one, especially to plug in week one. And then I'm okay starting Tua, depending on your league. I'm okay starting him this week. I think he's going to put up a solid game. It won't be a great game. I think last year against the Chargers, he had his worst game. But I feel confident in starting him this week. He's got great pass catchers. He's got a great offense. He's healthy. I think he knows how to take care of himself a little better now. So I'm not like, yes, a starter, but I feel okay. I feel solid. I think he is a top 12 type of quarterback. So 10, 12 team leagues, you're probably going to start him and you should feel okay. And for the Chargers, you're starting Eckler and you're probably starting both um, wide receivers as well. And Williams and Allen. And if you have Johnston on your team, their rookie wide receiver, um, definitely don't play him yet. Put him on your bench. He's going to be valuable if there's an injury. He'll get used some. He'll get included in the game every now and again. But he's not going to have a lot of standalone value unless there's an injury, which with Mike Williams, with Keenan Allen, that's a possibility. They miss a lot of games. Um, so keep him on your bench as insurance kind of he's one of the few insurance wide receivers out there 
If one of those guys goes down, Johnson's a top 20, top, well, top 30 maybe in the top 20, dependent on the matchup. Um, he's got a lot of talent. And then with their tight end, if you want to start Everett, you can. I don't know. I know Kellen Moore, their new offensive coordinator. He used Alton Schultz a lot for the Cowboys, but I don't know. I'm not sold on Everett this year, but I'm not against him either. I'm not out. So if you want to plug him in in a deeper league or if you have a Kelsey or if you punted a tight end, that's okay. Um, but, of course, you're starting Justin Herbert. He could have a top-five quarterback here this year. With that new offense with Moore, he's healthy now. He was the number two quarterback a couple years ago. People don't really realize that. So you should feel confident that he's going to have a great year. Okay, three more games. Rams and Seahawks. This one could get ugly. Mm. Let's start with the Rams because this is going to be quick. You'll start Akers because of volume, but I don't expect him to get a lot of points. He might get in the end zone. He might get a few targets, but he's not going to have a lot of yards because I believe the Seahawks are going to get up, get up high on them, and they're going to have to get away from the run game. Um, and then you're not really starting any Rams wide receiver. If you feel lucky, then you can go with Van Jefferson because of Cooper Cup being out, possibly going to the IR. He's their best option. Um, the rookie Puka, he might be something later, but you're not starting him yet. Tyler Higby, on the other hand, you should start him. He could be like a top seven, top six tight end because of volume mainly in this offense with Cooper Cup out. Matthew Stafford's going to target him early and often. And then for the Seahawks, also you're probably not starting Matthew Stafford, and he's not anybody that should be on your radar. Um, for the Seahawks, Geno Smith, I think he's being disrespected this year. He ended up as quarterback five last year. And this year he went maybe quarterback 16 in that range. He's He fell way too far. I think he could have a, another top 10 year. I think you should feel okay starting him, especially against this Rams defense, which is not very good. That's me being nice. And you're starting DK Metcalf. You're starting Tyler Lockett. I don't think I'd start GSN just yet. He's just coming off that broken wrist. He had surgery. He's going to play. He's been pushing. He's been looking good. But I don't know if I start him week one. I want to see him out there healthy before I plug him in my lineup. And um, their tight ends there, they're okay. If you want to start um, Noah Fant, go ahead. He's okay. I, I wouldn't feel too confident unless you're in a deep league. And with a running back room, Kenneth Walker III just showed up on the injury report on Friday. I don't know if he's going to miss the game. I haven't heard anything new, but he's already hurt. If he's healthy, you're starting him. He's great. But make sure you get Zach Charbonnet on your bench just in case he does miss time, which there's a decent chance of that because of his injury history. And I believe what he missed practice with on Friday was a hamstring, if I'm not mistaken. And those things come up all the time especially when i just start so keep an eye on that now for the sunday night game giants and cowboys for the cowboys you're starting tony pollard he has no competition he could be a top five running back by the end of the year if he stays healthy 
and they don't add anybody else. So you have confidence in him. CeeDee Lamb, he's great. He's fantastic. One of the best wide receivers in the game. But other than that, I don't know if I'm starting anybody else. Brandon Cooks is okay. If you want to put him in as your flex, that's okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. But I might want to see it before I have confidence in starting Brandon Cooks every week. If you don't have an option, that's fine. He's, he's okay at flex. I don't know if he's a wide receiver too just yet. But I'd wait and see. And at tight end... They have a couple guys. They're, they like that rookie. That rookie. They have a lot of um, a lot of hope in him. He might be something. He might be nothing. I don't know. I believe it's Jake Ferguson is their rookie tight end. Let me confirm that. Um, he's been getting a lot of hype in preseason, but I I don't know. I don't know if I'm in on him just yet because this is a new offensive coordinator that they're using. Yeah, Jake Ferguson's the rookie tight end. Um, Kellen Moore's no longer the guy. It's gonna be Mike McCarthy, and he already said he wants to run the ball more. So I'd wait before I pick up um, pick up Jake Ferguson just to make sure he's gonna be a thing. I definitely wouldn't start him yet. Um, and Dak Prescott's a borderline starter if you don't have any other choice that's fine but if you're in a 10 12 team league you probably aren't starting him until we see how good he really is because he's he likes to throw the ball to the team too much and then for the giants it's fairly straightforward you're starting barkley he's going to be a top 10 maybe even top five running back and you're starting waller he could be tight in one by the end of the year he is really the only guy they have on offense. And you could start Daniel Jones, depending on the size of your league. He has that um, floor with his rushing ability. But that's it. There's no wide receiver you want until we see it. Um, there's no other player on that team that you feel confidence in other than Waller, Barkley, and maybe Daniel Jones. And then the last game we have for the Monday night game, Bills and Jets. This one's fairly straightforward. For the Bills, you're starting Josh Allen. You're starting Stephon Diggs. That's all you have utmost confidence in. If you have James Cook, you're probably going to start him because of where you got him. And I feel okay with that as an RB2 or a flex. But we're not going to have extreme confidence until we see how they use him. If they're going to use him sporadically and just a few snaps here or there, then we might have drafted him too high. But if they're going to use him the way we hope they use him and the way they should use him as a 15-17 touch guy, he's going to be great. He's going to be fantastic. He's going to be a solid RB2, maybe even RB1 by the end of the year. And for their, and for their other wide receiver, for Gabe Davis, if you want to plug him in as your flex, he's a boom-bust kind of guy. Problem is... He's probably going to have Sauce Gardner on him for a majority of the game, and that's no good. That's no good. I believe last year Sauce Gardner shut him down pretty well. So you probably want to avoid that unless you just want to have um, a possible dart throw or he could catch a 50-yard touchdown, and that's what you're looking for. Okay, then go for it, but I probably wouldn't. And then with Dalton Kincaid, I don't know if I'd start him yet. I might want to see it first, but he's on the border of 
if you're feeling some confidence, if you're feeling lucky, if you want to plug them in, okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. I personally probably would wait to see it first unless I don't have other choices. And then lastly, with the Jets, of course, you're starting Garrett Wilson. He could be a top five, maybe even top three wide receiver by the end of the year. He has that kind of potential. But other than him, that's the only lock it in starter. The running backs with Cook and Hall, we don't truly know how much they're going to split. I would anticipate Dalvin Cook gets a majority of the run for the first half of the season, maybe a little bit less, while Bruce Hall recovers from his injury and gets up to speed. Then it might flip and be the Bruce Hall show while Dalvin Cook um, spares him, or it could be a 50-50 split by the end of the year, and they want to use them both because they want to um, get deep in the playoffs. So I would say that they're both kind of flex plays, depending on who you put your flag on, who you feel more comfortable in between the two, that's the one you should start. Um, I would feel more confident at the beginning of the year in Dalvin Cook until we see Brees Hall really play a lot more snaps, but they're both kind of iffy to me. They're both flex plays with not huge ceilings until we see it. And then with their tight end with Tyler Conklin, you're okay. You're okay starting him. You're not super excited, but he's fine. Well, that is the week one preview. Now, as we always do, let's get real. So we're going to continue the story of the apartment that I ended on with the last episode. Um, so we ended with uh, my roommates arguing, but I was there to kind of help them calm down a little bit where they didn't have a big explosive fight and move out. And then that Bible study wouldn't have happened. But before we get to the Bible study, there was something really cool that happened um, with that apartment. So for a while, it was me and those two other roommates. And we had people over for the Bible study, for movie nights, game nights. We had we had a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of good get-togethers, a lot of good fellowship. But there was one friend of one of my roommates who um, spent a lot of time with them. He was really close. They got along really well. They um, enjoyed hanging out, and there was one time where me and the other roommate, honestly, not his good friend, but the other one, was, we were with um, with this guy. We went to uh, like an entertainment store, video games, movies, whatnot. We were just talking, and he mentioned something like, yeah, um, I got to start looking for a new place because um, this, this, this is happening. The price is not quite where I like it, so... I'm currently have to probably look for some other place to go to move into. And me and my roommate looked at each other, and we had the same thought. We turned back to um, our friend and said, hey, why don't you just move in with us? And he said, really? That'd be okay? And I was like, yeah, you can have my room, which I had a little office room, and I'll move into the living room. And so that's what we did. I made the sacrifice to move out of the office space in a two-bedroom apartment, moved my bed and my stuff out to the living room, which that wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do. Let me tell you, I lost a little sleep. It was more, it was a lot less privacy. It was hard, but it was a sacrifice I was willing to make to help out a friend because he needed a place to stay. He didn't want to live where he was. There was a lot of 
really bad, yucky things going on, and I wanted to do something nice and give him that space. I could have had him, told him he needs to take the living room, I'll stay in the office room, but I thought it'd be really nice, it'd be a really good gesture to give him that little office room and I just stay in the living room and I'll be okay with that. I can adapt, I can adjust. So that's what I did. I just wanna tell that because I think sometimes sacrifices are really important and um, we don't need to shy away from things that are difficult that might help someone else out. And that really helped out our friend. He really benefited from staying with us. We had really good times together. Lots of fun, lots of good, deep conversations, really growing as individuals, as human beings, and in our spiritual lives and our faith in God. But the biggest thing that happened in that apartment was um, during the COVID time. COVID hit, it was going crazy. Um, we still had people over, we were safe, but there was one evening, we are watching a movie with some friends, um, and... The next day, my friend sends me a message and says, hey, um, I'm trying to get a new job. They had me take a COVID test and I actually tested positive for COVID. And I was sitting right next to this individual on our couch just watching a movie. So I thought, oh man, I came into close contact with this individual. So I'm gonna have to let my job know, take a test myself and kind of see what has to happen. And of course, I had to be quarantined for two weeks. I took a test, I was fine. I'm pretty sure I took a test, but I was fine. Um, I didn't have any symptoms. I felt healthy, but because of the rules and regulations at the time, I had to be quarantined for two weeks. Um, about a week later, that Bible study was still going on and we felt fine, we felt safe that it was good to continue it. So the Bible study came into the apartment and normally, I could not attend that Bible study because I worked Monday nights, but this Monday night I couldn't go to work because of the laws of being quarantined for two weeks, but I still felt safe enough to attend. I wasn't getting anyone sick. So I attended the Bible study, and at that Bible study, there was one person that joined in for the first time. Um, she usually doesn't do things like this often. She kind of stays in her own house, kind of, she's an introvert. She's doesn't go out much, but at this point in her life, she thought, hey, I need to get out. I need to be around people. I need a fellowship with some good Christian people. And she heard about our Bible study and she said, sure, I'll attend it. The first time she's ever attended the Bible study, first time I attended the Bible study, and that person ended up being my wife. It's a long story on that. We'll get into that in the next episode and some of the things that happened after that first Bible study. But um, God always orchestrates things for a reason. And I came into close contact, had to be quarantined so I can meet her. If I wasn't, I would have never truly met her in a way to open up and conversate. It just would have been in passing and nothing might have happened. But I was in that apartment for a reason. I was quarantined for a reason and I met her and that was for a reason for where I'm at now. Just want to let you all, everyone know that everything happens for a reason. God is in control. He directs all our steps. Sometimes we can't see it while we're in it, but when we're on the outside of it, we can look back and say, oh, wow, 
that's why all that happened. Thank you, Lord, for watching over me and having my best interests in mind and truly in your heart. Well, that's it for getting real this week. Next week, we're going to um, get into the week two um, storylines preview of the um, next coming up games, discuss what happened previously and the ones that passed, and we'll continue with the story of me and my wife now, soon to be wife then, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for joining in, and God bless you.